Welcome to the Arborist News audio podcast, brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture. This audio version of the Arborist News CEU article is voiced by Paul Johnson, Urban Forestry Program Coordinator with Texas A&M Forest Service. This month's article is Bark Traits Are Important to Tree Health and Survival, by Jeffrey Dawson. Objectives. Describe the role bark plays in maintaining tree health and stability. Outline components of bark that help trees adapt to extreme conditions. Identify anatomical structures present in bark that perform various physiologic tasks. Assess characteristics of bark that help protect the tree from mechanical damage. Certified Arborist and BCMA Science Category Only. Bark is a complex and important tree tissue. By better understanding bark structure and function, professional arborists can better serve the needs of their clients by interpreting and applying specific bark protective mechanisms in managing landscape trees. Bark is the protective covering of tree trunks and roots. The outer bark is composed of dead cells, often having subarin layered on their inner cell walls. Subarin is a fatty and waxy material that makes the bark impervious to water, conserving internal moisture and preventing an exchange of gases and nutrients. Non-subarized bark, or both subarized and non-subarized layers, can occur, such as those occurring in alternate successive layers in the stem of American elm, Ulmus americana. Tree stems are encircled by two single-celled layers of cambium cells, which are somewhat akin to stem cells in humans. Cambium cells are simple cells with the ability to differentiate into specialized cells to carry out the functions of the living organism. Various hormones produced within the tree and transported through the phloem regulate the growth and differentiation of these cells into different types of tissue. The continuous cylindrical intervascular cambium gives rise, primarily inwardly, to wood cells, including the sapwood xylem vessels critical for water movement from roots to the upper portions of the tree. This creates annual tree rings in seasonally cold or seasonally dry regions as growth slows late in the growing season, producing visibly smaller diameter xylem cells when viewed in cross-section. The vascular cambium also gives rise to a thin layer of phloem toward the outside, with phloem sieve tubes that transport materials such as sugars and hormones from a source to sites of uptake and use throughout the tree. In the living phloem on the outer side of the vascular cambium, the phelogen, or cork cambium, forms and gives rise to bark. The inner part of the bark contains the living phloem cells with an interconnected system of sieve tubes, through which sugar, other nutrients, and hormones are transported within the tree. Bark cells are pushed outward from the cork cambium and form in the phloem tissue outside the vascular cambium. Some bark cells are pushed inward into the phloem and are called the phelloderm. Unlike the cork or outer bark cells, these cells remain living. They are not thickened or specialized. Hence, they can exchange water, gas, and nutrients from the phloem that support bark production. Starch, as well as compounds containing nitrogen and phosphorus, can accumulate during the later part of the growing season in temperate deciduous trees, be stored over winter, and be remobilized during spring from inner bark phloem cells for early growth and metabolism. Hence, the stripping of bark by wildlife or by starving humans in dire straits to obtain nutrients by eating the inner bark of trees. However, as a defense against herbivores, including insects, inner bark cells can also possess tough, thick-walled cellulosic fibers, as well as cells with bitter or toxic substances. The form and function of bark differ greatly among tree species, making it a key characteristic for tree identification. Bark forms a secondary tissue, replacing the thin epidermis and initial phloem of primary tissue from buds in lengthening young stems. Secondary tissue occurs after stem elongation has ceased and is responsible for the radial wood and bark growth of tree stems. 
bark thickness increases with tree diameter. The outer bark can be quite thick and corky, insulating the living tissues within from temperature extremes and serving as tree adaptations to fire and extreme cold. The form of bark is a function of the formation and reformation of the cork cambium, where the cork cambium regenerates multiple times in the phloem tissue as successive concentric entirely cylindrical structures, smooth bark can form, as with beech, phagus species, or birch, betula species where the cork cambium reforms successively and the older cork cambium is replaced with discontinuous cork cambia, often occurring in overlapping arcs, scaly bark occurs on the stem. This general pattern occurs on trees such as oaks, Quercus species, and maples, Acer species. Young stems of many trees can have smooth bark that converts into scaly bark with subsequent maturation. Fissured bark with net-like patterns occurs from splitting of the outer and inner bark, such as the bark of ash trees, Fraxinus species. Peeling bark forms when there are alternating thin and thick-walled bark cells, as with birch. Eucalyptus bark peels when layers of bark separate at thin-walled phloem parenchyma cell layers. Lenticels, warty eruptions that have space between cells on the bark of trees, can form on tree stems to allow gas exchange across bark barriers. Lenticels are seen on the smooth bark of tree types such as cherries, prunus species, and alders, ulna species. They may form at the base of flooded bottomland tree species and even on root nodules of flooded alder trees. This allows oxygen diffusion into and throughout the stem and roots for respiration and diffusion of the consequent carbon dioxide to the outside of the bark. Some tree stems are green, containing living cells with chlorophyll on the stem surface. This generally occurs when development of bark is delayed and epidermal cells divide, expanding the surface area with the expanding circumference of the stem cortex and phloem without increasing the thickness of photosynthetic tissue. Where stomates are present, i.e. regulators of gas exchange for photosynthesis that can open or close depending on environmental conditions, this green bark can carry on photosynthesis with carbon dioxide from the surrounding atmosphere for years until true bark forms. Palo Verde trees from the deserts of southwestern North America are a good example. Where stomates are lacking, such as in trees with thin, translucent cork layers, photosynthetic tissue at the stem surface can recycle internally respired carbon dioxide from living cells in the tree stem back into carbohydrates while increasing internal oxygen levels. Tree bark produces structures and chemicals that defend a tree's critical internal living tissues against pathogenic fungi and bacteria, insects, and large herbivores. Giant compound thorns on honey locusts, Gladitsia trichanthos, trees are notably formidable. Ecology professor Daniel Jansen has theorized that the thorns evolved in such a way to prevent now extinct large herbivores, such as the giant ground sloth, from feeding on unripe fruit and foliage. In contrast, smooth bark on trees can act as an anatomical defense against insects by reducing their ability to grip a tree's surface. Smooth bark also helps thwart the mosses, lichens, and other plants as well as algae, collectively called epiphytes, that grow on trees and sometimes become a nuisance by weighing down and breaking branches. Chemical defenses in bark are important in repelling pests and pathogens. Major defensive classes of chemicals include phenolics such as tannins in angiospermous tree bark. In conifer bark and latex-based gums in angiospermous trees, terpene-based chemicals, such as resins, are delivered to the bark in specialized ducts. Phenolics often function as enzyme blockers in harmful organisms, ultimately causing inhibition or death. 
Tannins transform proteins into insoluble products that are resistant to microbial decomposition, so they have long been used as tanning agents for leather, e.g. bark from hemlock trees has been used widely as a tanning agent. Resins and gums can trap herbivorous insects seeking a meal in the nutrient-rich inner bark. Insects such as bark beetles can be trapped in resins and gums exuded from ducts in bark and wound tissue. Drought decreases resin flow and lessens tree resistance to pine beetles. Amber, which is fossilized resin, often contains preserved remains of the insects entrapped by ancient conifers millions of years in the past. Some defensive chemicals that inhibit tree pathogens are also important in human medicine. Tannin is a large molecule and bonds readily with proteins. Tannins applied to skin cause it to contract. Medicinally, tannins are used to draw irritants out of the skin, e.g. the venom from bee stings or poison oak. Tannins are also applied to burns to help with healing and to cuts to reduce bleeding. Quinine from chinchona bark selectively combats malarial organisms in the human bloodstream because it inhibits pathogen DNA synthesis, meaning the malarial cells cannot divide. Taxol from yew trees, taxa species, combat cancer by inhibiting the components of cells that allow them to stretch as they divide. Taxol especially inhibits rapidly dividing cancer cells. Juglone, a well-known toxic chemical from walnut, Juglin species, tree tissue, including bark, inhibits mitochondrial, aerobic respiration in cells, eventually causing death by suffocation of insects consuming walnut material. Better known as an alleliopathic, natural herbicide that kills sensitive plant species around walnut trees, juglone functions in bark and leaf tissue primarily as a defense against boring and grazing insects. However, some specialist insects, such as the walnut caterpillar moth, Datana intergerima, have evolved specialized digestion processes in larvae that allow them to tolerate juglone and become specialist feeders on walnut. Some mature tree species, like black oak, Quercus velutina, and bur oak, Quercus macrocarpa, have thick bark, while others, like sycamore, platinus species, do not. Thick bark provides more thermal protection. Outer bark's air-filled cells act much like home insulation, keeping the inside warmer or cooler than the outside by slowing the transfer of heat or cold through the outer bark. Thick bark is especially important for fire protection. Black oak and bur oak typically grow in drier, more fire-prone upland habitat than other species of oak, and so develop thick bark earlier than their regional oak relatives and maintain greater thickness as they grow. The outer bark of pitch pine, Pinus rigida, in the eastern U.S., thickens while the trees are still young and develops into deep, corky blocks that allow the tree to survive in habitats that are susceptible to fire. Giant sequoia, Sequoia dendron giganteum, trees have bark that can attain thicknesses of one and a half feet, providing the means by which these trees and their coast redwood, Sequoia sempervirens, cousins can survive for thousands of years in fire-prone habitats. Fire is not the only thermal threat to trees. Rapid temperature change can also damage or kill sections of inner bark. In late winter, for example, direct sunlight, especially on the southwest side of tree trunks, can warm bark to temperatures much higher than the surrounding air, activating the cambium of temperate trees prematurely and causing the death of these cells upon subsequent refreezing. When the sun sets and temperatures plummet, the rapid cooling bark can also crack as it contracts, as seen in London Plains, Platinus cross acerfolia. The bark of some conifers in cold regions is also relatively thick, affording moderation of inner bark temperatures where extreme cold temperatures occur. And yet, with all the protective advantages of thick bark, why is the bark of some species thin? 
One reason is that production of thick bark has an energy cost to the tree that lessens resources available for other growth and metabolic processes. In the central hardwood forest region of the U.S., floodplain tree species typically have thinner bark with higher specific gravities. High specific gravity, or high density, mass per unit of volume, allows rapid conduction, heat, or cold, and makes floodplain trees poor insulators of the living cambial tissues from the high temperatures produced by fires, which are not as frequent in moist floodplain habitats as in dry uplands. However, the thin, dense barks of riparian tree species are mechanically stronger, enabling them to protect the tree trunk from the damage caused by floating ice and debris of spring flooding. Thin bark also allows sunlight to reach shallow photosynthetic cells in some tree species, such as sycamore trees. Bark that is dense and adheres strongly to the wood of tree stems affords maximum protection from mechanical damage from causes, such as abrasion from falling trees and branches, bending and stretching, debris and winds and floodwater, and the activities of humans. Much of the research on bark strength has come from the forest products industry, where there is interest in the techniques and cost of mechanically debarking trees for processing into wood products. Bark serves as the principal stiffening agent in comparatively young stems and comprises the bulk of leaf-bearing tree branches. Strong bark that best supports these branches contain a high proportion of inner bark fibers intermixed with phloem and associated simple, thin-walled parenchyma cells. With the development of successive bark cambia, fiber-rich parts of the inner bark die and can become incorporated into the outer bark along with superized cork cells. A report by Dean Einspar and colleagues, number 128 in the technical paper series of the Appleton, Wisconsin, U.S.-based Institute of Pulp and Paper Chemistry, IPC, indicated that the presence of fibers generally increases bark strength, while the presence of scleriads decreases bark strength. Bark adhesion is greatest during the dormant season and least during the growing season before new fibers fully differentiate. Fibers have thick, lignified cell walls and are long, straight, and thin, often occurring in bundles, affording strength to the bark tissue. The density or specific gravity of bark increases with the proportion of fiber cells with thick, lignified cell walls. Scleriads have cell walls that are usually thickened by lignin, but are generally shorter and are clustered together in groups rather than in reinforcing bundles as in fibers. Scleriad types include those with length and width nearly equal, those that are star-shaped with several projecting arms, a type similar to fibers except branched, column-shaped cells no longer than they are wide, or cells that are bone-shaped elongated with swollen ends. Inner bark strength has a function not only in supporting comparatively young leaf and fruit-bearing stems and branches, but also influences bark adhesion to the wood of the tree stems of all sizes. According to studies by Einspar and colleagues at the IPC, shagbark hickory, Caria ovata, and white ash, Fraxinus americana, are examples of tree species with fiber-rich bark that have the greatest dormant season inner bark strength, toughness, and adhesion to the stem. Beech, sycamore, red alder, Alnus rubra, and white birch, Betula paperifera, are examples of species lacking bark fibers that are low in dormant season inner bark strength, toughness, and adhesion to the stem. A list of selected tree species and their bark characteristics is included in the IPC technical paper. As evidence here, a thorough understanding of the structure and function of tree bark can greatly inform modern tree care and maintenance practices in many areas. 
Bark adhesion traits should be considered by arborists when climbing trees, as well as when prescribing tree plantings for areas where human activity, e.g. parking cars, ground maintenance, or pedestrian traffic, is likely to cause mechanical injury to tree stems. Thank you for listening to this month's Arborist News audio podcast. An online quiz worth one CEU is available now to current ISA members. Visit the ISA web store and search for online quizzes for the most recent CEU opportunities. This quiz will become available to non-members in February 2017. Arborist News is ISA's bi-monthly serial publication that provides readers with the latest in arboricultural news and education. This magazine is an ISA member benefit and offers opportunities for ISA credential holders to earn CEUs. Become a member today to start receiving Arborist News in your mailbox or your inbox. That concludes this episode. Please check back for the next Arborist News audio.